0: Good afternoon and welcome to Auto Retail Live, our first webinar of 2022. Uh, great to be back and uh, thank you very much for taking time to be with us this afternoon. Or maybe you're watching us on Catcher because, of course, if you have a colleague who isn't able to join us live, um, you can, of course, send them the link uh, and give them a chance to watch our conversation at another time. Today we're focusing on quarter one um, and very much how to drive opportunities in the current market conditions. Uh, It might say, not particularly challenging to sell new cars because the supply is very limited. Uh, New car volumes are slightly up, but of course the market overall is down around 30% um, from previous normal, whatever normal may mean. Used car values remain at an all-time high, very strong, which means supply outstrips demand so, how can retailers make best use of these conditions? And for how long is it going to carry on? We're joined today by Jason Kranswick, who's the Chief Operating Officer of Marabani Auto Investment, um, who you'll be familiar with through the RRG Group um, and Norton Way. James Buxton is the Chief Operating Officer of Carzam, and Carolina Edward-Smider is the Commercial Product Director from Autotrader. So, a wise panel, and your questions and comments are always welcome. Uh, please, you can either type them in to the webinar below. They will go through to Tristan, who is coordinating our questions, uh, or you can use the hashtag ARNLive on social media, uh, and that way the questions will come through as well. Whether you've got a challenging comment or something to contribute or a question for our panel, please feel free to join in. So let's start with a look at the market um, and see how things are progressing. Caroline I'm going to come to you um, as the data arbiter. Uh, what can we see from the numbers? We've had January, February, we're now into March, quarter one important, March the all-important month. Is it going well?
1: I think it's been an interesting quarter. We definitely have seen some um, different trends. February was uh, a month that's seen a little bit of a slowdown. It was a flat month when when we compare it year-on-year in terms of visits and consumer activity overall. And it's no surprise because we had few things happening in February. One is the weather, which usually has a massive impact in in on consumer behaviour. So all the storms that we've been having, um, we had half-term, also the uh, conflict in Ukraine. Um, So all of those events have impacted demand last month um, um, overall. However, we need to remember that we had two years of exceptional demand growth. um, So the market overall still stays very healthy. And although, even though their visits were flat, uh, we've seen some encouraging signs in other metrics. So used car inquiries were still stronger than last year, up 12%. We also seen increased speed of sales. So the average car took 11 days, fewer days to sell in February um, than the same time previous year. So so it's been a little bit of a mix. However, So, so February, like flood visits, other metrics still encouraging. March feels different. And in March, all metrics started picking up again. So I feel optimistic about what March can bring. We are also hearing from some retailers about increased activity from consumers, consumer demand. So it feels like we are, um, in a in a in a well, it feels like we continue being in a very healthy market when it comes to demand.
0: And that's across all segments. So, is it or, or is it patchy, or, or genuinely is it happy days everywhere?
1: I think I think broadly, it's um, it feels consistent. So demand, like you have. The youngest vehicles will still experience the most demand, relatively to previously, because this is where the shortest supply is, versus, let's say, older cars. Uh, but overall, the growth uh, which I'm talking about will be will apply to most of the vehicles.
0: Jason, Jason Cranswick. Um... Chief Operating Officer of Marabeni Auto Investment. Jason, just remind us of the, the, the spread of your your retail footprint across the UK, because you're kind of north and south. What, what's yep. the view across, across your network?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the view across the network is fairly smooth. In the south of England, in West London, up through to Hertfordshire, we've got predominantly Honda businesses, also with Kia, Mazda, Nissan, Peugeot. Um, And, um, you know, trading has been really, really positive. And certainly here in London, where I am today, you know, we saw very early the uh, pickup of EVs. and So we've had a very healthy EV um, performance for the last sort of uh, 18 months or so now. Go up into the north of England, where two-thirds of our business is, which is predominantly Toyota business, but also represents brands like uh, Skoda, uh, MG, Mazda, Nissan. Uh, uh, Peugeot um, uh, and, and obviously total Lexus again very strong demand and those brands have been you know incredibly popular and again have a very progressive model lineup so I wouldn't say there's a distinction north and south I think um, we're seeing continued profitability which is good but continued challenges and I think uh, you know the challenges face us all in terms of uh, supply of both new and used vehicles
0: so, so happy news from the franchise sector James, James Buxton, um, Karzam, um, one of the C's um, in the home delivery market, um, Karzam, Kazoo, um, it, it, it's an important and emerging sector, and is it strong and remaining strong in, in quarter one, or are people going back to the showroom, James?
3: So, uh, we believe that it's remaining strong, so a year-on-year growth figures are, are, are still you know, extremely positive. Obviously, we are carrying more stock than we did this time last year, but we don't see a significant decline in inquiries or demand. And to be honest, we didn't see that at the midpoint of last year, which would really have been the best barometer because once showrooms reopened, et cetera. So we didn't see a, a drop off. Certainly from a demand perspective, we are seeing increased demand Um, for certain types of of vehicles so certainly AFV product was always strong for us as a business but has grown in importance over the last three or four weeks especially and and conversely we are also seeing some challenges around larger larger petrol engines especially so the more performance end of the market is perhaps a touch less buoyant than it was um, this time last year or, or certainly over the summer.
0: I mean, you're in a competitive market to find vehicles to to, to sell um, um, and move forward. What's supply like at the moment? Um, looking for those vehicles in a in a market where you know it's constrained.
3: Yeah, so supply is is a challenge and, and, and always always has been and, and always will be. I, I think that there are still vehicles out there to to purchase in in the open market, um, but I would say that. Perhaps in the last couple of weeks, the um, ferocity of some of the the bidding has eased slightly, especially on certain types of, of vehicle at certain segments. Um, that said, retail performance is is still is still strong, but key to any business, be it ours or or a traditional bricks bricks and mortar retailer, is, you know, procuring vehicles from a wide range of of sources. And that's absolutely what what we do. And I know that the vast
0: majority of um, attendees on today's seminar will do similar yeah i mean what what's the what's changed in that in that regard is it, it because as the shift in in the segment that you're working in you know there are there are players in that market who presumably are being fed by um auctions and and coming back off fleets i guess you're all competing now um in a in a very tight pool is is that creating mm-hmm. an artificial inflation of the price or is is it easy to get hold
3: i, I think it's it's cars are still available to purchase i, I think what we've all got to, to look at as well is, you know, some of the OEM strategies that ultimately feed into to us as a business and to every used car business in the land. So it's clear that OEMs are prioritising retail customers. So you're seeing more retail um, deliveries than you are fleet deliveries. And, and really from that, obviously, I, I don't represent a franchise dealer business, but there's probably more part exchanges being generated in that area of the market, which perhaps sustains some of the franchise businesses in a slightly um, more normal fashion, still not normal, but closer to, to reality. And that then therefore means that those franchise businesses perhaps don't need to procure as many vehicles in the open market, because obviously there's a depleted number of vehicles returning into the fleet sector. So I think it's not as clear cut as saying Everybody, you know, is out fighting over cars. I think certain areas of the market actually are generating quite a few part exchanges themselves. Other areas of the market are procuring from auction, but ha- perhaps not everybody is only is solely
0: focused down that one route. You're watching the Auto Retail Network Quarter One briefing. Uh, Thank you very much for joining us uh, today. We uh, welcome your comments and questions. By all means, send them through to us here directly through the webinar uh, or using the hashtag ARN Live. James, thanks for that view on on use. I I want to turn to to Jason uh, and take a view on supply. I know it's sort of a conversation opener these days. Say, okay, chip shortage, supply is a challenge, but it's probably not just the same across the board, is it? The Koreans and the Japanese seem to have managed it really well and the Europeans struggled. Is that still the case or, or are things easing off for everybody?
2: Yeah, um, uh, it's a it's a hot topic to say the least. And, uh, yeah, I think we're blessed with our portfolio of um, Southeast Asian brands that uh, seem to be at the better end of supply. Um, but still challenging, Um but uh, at least we have, you know, sort of um, visibility and stock coming, coming through. I think um, uh, probably the European brands have suffered more so. Um, I think one of the points that we would look at is, you know, um, it's not been uncommon in certain brands to be waiting a year for supply, typically in the luxury and, and high premium brands. So the way you handle a consumer through that process, um, you know, is incredibly important. And that's something that our teams now have really... Focus on is how do you manage a consumer along a maybe six month or nine month lead time, um, but I do think you know we we you know we have challenges. It's interesting. I don't think our challenges are unique to us um, as an industry. Um, they're probably more acute. You know, there's factors we've not had to worry about before. Um, you know, certainly an experience if you had a portfolio of brands, if you had a brand that was struggling with a part supply. You probably had six or seven other brands you could offset that volume with the reality is now every brand is affected by the macro factors of whether it's the terrible situation in ukraine or whether it's the semiconductor issue or whether it's just the, the you know the long tail effects of the, the covid shutdowns you know every brand seems to be affected in some way so all of our business have had to adapt um, but one thing i would say is our businesses are very resourceful you know the motor trade always finds a way through a challenge And, you know, I'm very proud of the teams we've got who have found ways of seeing a way through. We're blessed with profitability as an industry. You know, we've had record profitability for the last couple of years. So, um, you know, thank goodness for that. And um, I think we still have a lot to be positive about, albeit I don't underestimate the energy that it takes away from our teams, the need for, you know, very compassionate leadership within our businesses and, you know, for really everybody in our business to be very aware of each other and make sure that we all come through the other side of this, not just, um, uh, you know, from a health point of view, but also from a motivational point of view.
0: Carolina, thinking about supply across the board, because obviously Jason has a view of, of some franchises, uh, James is looking at the used market. Um, are there areas of the business where there is oversupply at the moment, or is it completely under supply for everybody?
1: Oh, I would, I would like to... I think it's mostly supply across the board, there will be different levels, obviously, as well. New cars will clearly be the most impacted. And even though in, in new cars, overall, we are seeing month-on-month improvement. So um, February, we actually saw um, new car volumes going up by 10%. However, if you compare that to previous year, that's over 60% down still. So there was a huge gap to fill, and that is going to you know take a while. And then if you think about it, all of those new cars obviously will become used. So we are going to carry this gap forward um, and experience shortages um, for some time to come, especially in those younger vehicles, because they will be more affected because of the uh, um, new car challenges over the last few years.
0: Jason, at what point do you think the industry, and it's not just particularly stargazing, but but do you think the industry will be happy to live with this level, or is it the fact that once something eases, the industry and the factory will want to start producing again and we will start heading back to that oversupply? Are there any signs that you're hearing from from partner brands as to to where the volumes are going to go to?
2: I don't don't think we're anywhere close to oversupply, so I think we can always park that that topic for the foreseeable future. I think we all hope that we've all learnt um so i think uh, we all have much healthier businesses now whether that's at an oem level or whether that's at a retailer level um i think we're learning to live with the disruptions that come and we're learning from them and we're taking you know we're improving our businesses as a result um i think we've all remained very focused on keeping the customer at the center of what we do which i think is the most important thing so um i would like to think that we've taken this as a could call it a one-time corrective action couldn't you I think we've rebased our businesses we've focused on the staff numbers the competencies Um, we've got best practice in play we've enjoyed a period of profitability that we've not enjoyed maybe in the same way before so I think it allows us now to reset our businesses Um, the bar will continue to move and I'm sure some manufacturers will come back into the market with you know volumes over time but you know, we've got a lot of catchback over the next couple of years for, for volumes lost in the last couple of years. So um, I think we've got a lot to be confident about. And I'd like to think that one thing that's come out, and interestingly, reading the latest NFDA survey, is I think most dealers feel their manufacturer relationship is strong as it's been for some time. So it does feel as though we've entered this partnership. I think we've got mutual requirements of each other. And I think we've we've rebased our businesses now. So hopefully we can continue... You know, on the path that we're on. And I don't foresee oversupply being a challenge to us in the near term.
0: A uh, point to to mention that uh, at, at that juncture, the latest um, Auto Retail Network franchising report um, is just about to be published. Uh, you can um, place an order now. Um, and, and talking about volumes and markets, uh, the franchising report does have that um, really interesting one to three-year-old market um information. So, by region um, and by brand, the one to three-year-old market for for each uh, area of interest, and that is available now to to, uh, pre-order online. James, can we talk about price? Um, Peak price now, of course. Does it mean that this is the market value um, of a vehicle and it will depreciate normally from here, or are we going to get to a stage where there is some correction? And you perhaps alluded to it earlier uh, when you mentioned some of the bigger engine petrol um sports cars might be might be starting to turn. Yeah
3: I, I mean I think the, the price conversation is is complex and, and multifaceted. I think we also have to just consider what goes into to a to a used car price. And and quite often that's a direct output of the new car price, and it's also a direct output of the residual value that that vehicle achieves in, in the market. So if we see OEMs increasing price in line with inflation or even above that in some instances, that widens the gap between a new vehicle price and a used vehicle price, perhaps back to a more normal level. At the same time, if you've also got residual values rising off the back of increased um, performance, effectively higher used car prices, does that mean that actually the used car pricing levels we see now are sustainable into the future? Obviously, you get into individual personal views. I I believe that high prices are here to stay for some time, really for those two reasons – new carless prices are going up and RVs and, and GMFVs are going up with them. Do I think there'll be ups and downs and, and gradual depreciation over a period of time? Yes. Do I think there could be um, some variation between manufacturer, depending on how much supply they get, how quickly that returns? I also think the answer is yes. But in summary, I believe... Relatively
0: high prices for used vehicles are are here to stay for the foreseeable future. Pricing is sensitive. Sensitive in terms of the market is moving all the time. I mean, your your business depends on people coming online, searching, finding a deal, being happy, moving on. So, I guess you, you've got a you've got a tribe of people who are constantly repricing, along with the algorithm to do it. How often are you looking at pricing? Is it by the second or by the day? Uh, so we we look at pricing hourly, but we won't make
3: price amendments on, a, on an hourly basis because of the impact it has on, on consumers. I, I mean, we we do automate a, an element of, of that function, but I think we don't operate vastly differently to the vast majority of the franchise dealer network or even the independent network that are constantly looking at, at prices um, and, and adjusting up and down. I think the days of monthly price changes – Disappeared some some years ago for for all aspects of, of the industry.
0: Mm. Carolina, of course, your business auto trader. It's all about the price, and 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 people are constantly um, chasing and moving around. What, what's the consumer reaction to to strong prices? Are you seeing behaviours where people are holding off, um, or will people buy any vehicle at any price?
1: Well, it definitely is not slowing. The demand overall. If you look at the uh, the macro level overall, so demand continues rising and prices continue increasing. As you said earlier, we've seen the the the, the another record month in February in terms of price growth, and um, so and it's third. It's not like the uh, slight growth; it's 30% over 30% year on year, so it's huge in terms of the differences. And we've seen consecutive growth for the last two years. Mm. So um, the, the, the trend is definitely um, on the upward trajectory and it's not likely to reverse either. This, this growth in terms of um, rate of growth might balance out a little bit. So you know whether we can go much further, beyond 30% here on here, I would challenge that. Uh, but we certainly will continue seeing, um, growth overall. And I think things like market dynamics in terms of solid demand combined combined with ongoing supply challenges, which might go, get even more challenging given um, conflict in Ukraine as well um, and its impact. So prices are likely to remain high. I think uh, both uh, Jason and James mentioned that earlier. In terms of um, various how consumers react to it, I think it's interesting. EVs are interesting specifically from the uh, consumer point of view because if this is a segment of the market which is more expensive and consumers do um, respond to it where you know that we've seen some trends where when we had the uh, fuel shortage we've seen massive spikes in demand for EVs since then it has gone down however now with fuel prices increasing it it, it picked up again so consumers do react to uh, Price, I think they are sensitive to price. However, with the overall shortage of vehicles, I think they realise it's much harder to um, get the car nowadays, um, and, and, and they seem to be willing to pay the price in most cases. Whether they are getting Open exactly retailers. same car, whether they are getting exactly the same car um, as they would two years ago, that's a different question, I think. So there might be some transition to a um, different type of vehicle.
0: And what, what's your advice as, as a platform um, to retailers to, to to take advantage in a positive way to to, to make this opportunity uh, work for them?
1: Oh, just follow the market, and I think the market at the moment is full of opportunities because of that. Like the the growth in uh, well the supply and demand dynamic, the growth in prices is not exactly the same across all vehicle types, so it's worth digging into the data. And just looking at specific trends for specific cars in specific regional areas and just being as you know reactive using data to guide your decisions i think uh, plenty of opportunities there
0: jason you've been uh, patient and quiet please your thoughts (laughs) on the on the uh, the sensitive topic of price do do you
2: know what um i think it's quite an exciting topic to be honest i think you know um We're now in a business that can become much more data-informed than before. You know, the days of the old glasses guide have have long gone. And I think there's some fantastic tools and systems out there now that can help us, you know, really understand desirability, you know, price elasticity, and speed to sale. And I think those are the factors that every dealer has to have. It would be very easy for us to become a little bit lazy with the current demand and, you know, just the viewpoint that demand is outstripping supply so you can stock anything. That's not the case. And, you know, certainly I echo what James was saying earlier on that you know the decision making has to be rapid and iterative and probably done many times a day you don't want to be changing your price to affect the consumer experience but you know I think as an industry now we have to embrace the technology changes that are given to us I think we've got to find ways of becoming much more data informed and objective rather than subjective and I think the businesses that can identify desirability speed to sale. And price elasticity are the ones that are going to win in the long term and i think it's down to us all to go and really you know bring those skills into our businesses bring that technology into our businesses and really embrace it in a way that uh, you know other industries have done and, and i think it will make us incredibly successful but you know um it's always a hot topic but i think it's one that we've got to we, we've got to have a systemic approach to rather than it being a dark art
0: you're watching the Quarter One Briefing from Auto Retail Network. Thoughts and comments? Um, we've talked about supply, we've talked about uh, pricing, um, and we've touched on Quarter One. Any thoughts and contributions, you're welcome to send them through. And Tristan will then feed through into um, the webinar. Jason, um, stay with us, because I want to think now a little bit about market conditions. We've talked about supply and technology and so on, but we have the challenges in Ukraine. We have um, economic pressures following COVID, um, there are a number of pressures uh, on the cost of living um, and ultimately despite the fact people may have saved some money over COVID and have some more in the bank because they couldn't go on holiday or what have you, those pressures haven't gone away. What, what, what does that feel like in the showroom? Is there any difference in the way that the customer is approaching the deal, whether switching one type of financing to another or has nothing changed?
2: Yeah, um, there's, there's some big trends there. Um Obviously, the need for consumer finance, you know, is ever pre- ever present. You know, so we're seeing consumers wanting either longer terms or they want to enjoy the benefit of higher residuals. Um, I think there's much more transparency than there ever used to be around how to um, construct a deal with a consumer. I think consumers are wanting to take more control for themselves. Um, obviously, there's a lot of consumers walking in with um, cash reserves that they've built up. Um, there's also more consumers coming in who've sold their car independently so perhaps haven't got a part exchange um, so these are things that are new um, new behaviors new trends to, to to most businesses compared to maybe three to five years ago um, I think certainly when I look at our businesses we're having to put the customer at the center so we are looking at ways of you know giving the tools to the consumer so whether it's their ability to reserve cars online or, or, or form their own um, finance quotations. Um, you know, that's at one end of the spectrum. Or likewise, you know, making sure that, uh, you know, the consumer can get a great experience when they do walk through the showroom. And the showroom experience is still incredibly important to, to many consumers. There's a huge leap of confidence for a consumer to come in and buy a car in today's market. So I think the ability to sit with a uh, skilled and well-informed and educated colleague in our business who can help them walk themselves through a journey. And it's a buying process today, not a sales process. I think those sales process days have gone. Um, But, you know, it's interesting. And I think the other challenge our colleagues all have now is managing the customer relationship over the long term. So we mentioned it before. It's not unusual now to have to wait six to nine months for their vehicle choice to arrive. So that means many touch points and a really cohesive customer relationship program between order and handover um, which again is is new to many brands where maybe you bought a car today and it was delivered seven days later you know from a from a a compound stock so many many different changes there. not not all negative and certainly you know we want motivated and energized colleagues to handle our our customers when they're uh, when they're there in the showroom and that's that's really the the job of ourselves as leaders and our managers to make sure that we we have that motivation in our business.
0: Is there a worldwide shortage of brochures? Um, I only ask because my brochure? wife and I visit, visit, visited um, four different franchises, none of yours uh, by the way, um, and one of them had a brochure. The other three businesses one of them printed off a brochure and the others didn't have any, but um, I was allowed to read over the desk, the sales exec's copy. So so I, there seems to be a worldwide shortage of brochures, but, um, but maybe that's just yeah. me getting old. But, uh... <laughs> I
2: think it's like a Haynes manual.
0: Um, yes, exactly. Yeah, um, Carolina, th- th- thinking there about market conditions and... and people's ability to um, afford and buy things Um, are there any changes that you're seeing on the platform you alluded to it earlier perhaps in in terms of the different type of vehicles that people are choosing but that may be around the fuel cost or the other other pressures you're seeing in your data
1: I think overall in terms of consumer behavior um, what we are seeing, like I think the big trend is how consumers buy as well. So, um, you know how they are willing to purchase. So, we've definitely seen loads of shift during pandemic. So, we keep asking ourselves whether these trends are going to continue. So, consumers, um, you know, whether it's purchasing online, whether it's in a more traditional way. So. Um, so these, I think. I think it's fair to say that what we've seen from uh, research that consumers uh, still find digital retailing very appealing to them, even though you can say that COVID is gone and um, you know they can freely go to showrooms. But um, I think it's going to stay with us. Um, I think um, I don't think there will be. Um, majority who suddenly just want to buy online either so i think um, retailers will need to be prepared for a balance of um you know being able to gear up for omni omnichannel ch- sales some consumers feeling more comfortable completing part of the journey online versus going to the forecourt so some of these trends we definitely continue seeing in terms of how they purchase um, in terms of demand itself and, and how consumers are um, adapting, I think we've been saying before, like prices obviously are high, but demand is not easing. Um, EVs is a big trend that is picking up again, um, which I think is a great opportunity for the industry, because I think with EVs is all about education, information, um, about affordability, about um, um, about the overall cost, um, running cost of the vehicle. So how can we help consumers to um, understand the uh, benefits of that? So, because this is the time now to um, leverage that opportunity.
0: Questions and comments coming through um, for the quarter one briefing. Your point there about omnichannel versus um, uh, physical retail is picked up by Andy Goss. Good afternoon, Andy, um, the chairman of uh, Vertu Motors. Um, Andy was uh, interested. Perhaps uh, Jason, I'll start with you. The the the, the question there in terms of um, stock turn and targets. What's the difference you're seeing then between an online channel versus a, a pure play, um, if you like, physical sale?
2: Um, if I look it through my my retailer lens now, and as you know, I've spent some time in the in the pure online space before. Um, you know, we are seeing improved stock turn. Um, uh, I wouldn't say that there's a huge differential between a car being sold online and a car being sold through the showroom when it comes to stock turn. Um, albeit, you know, if I think back to my previous role, you know, we would see very rapid, you know, stock turn, um, uh, you know, probably well ahead of what, what dealers would have experienced previously. Um, but you know, I think we should all be aiming now to be clearing down our stock, you know, within within the one month. I think that would be a sensible benchmark to look for. Um, I think it's entirely possible, um, and um, you know I think the days of you know ninety day stock probably are long gone. Um, but uh, again, I think it's a good example of where we've got to be data driven. We've got to make sure that we're stocking the right vehicles, and that we don't get you know um, you know uh, uh, lazy in our in our stock choices, and we continue to drive good you know daily operating controls to to turn the stock quickly. Then, then you make a good profit and, and, you know, it's a good outcome for everybody. So, um, yeah, I don't know if that really answers that question sufficiently, but we're not seeing a huge differential in the online and offline today. But there is no online offline, I think is the point I want to make. It's sales, isn't it? So that omni-channel point, yeah, get a consumer that finds the car online, maybe reserves, comes into the showroom to complete, or the consumer comes to the showroom, then wants to go home to finish the sale off at home. It's just sales. I think that distinction between online and offline almost needs to be forgotten it's just sales in my mind going forward.
0: James Buxton, Chief Operating Officer at Carzam. James, you obviously have a, a background, um, uh, a long background in the industry. Working in a, a platform uh, like you do with home delivery, it's all about the speed of of, of getting the, the product turned. Caroline is saying that the, that the time to sale is coming down. Are you seeing that same um, performance? Are you seeing things happening quicker and the stock turning quicker now?
3: Yeah, I wouldn't say we're seeing stock turn any quicker than we were over the summer or at the back end of, of last year, but it's certainly no no slower. Uh, I, I think you know every, every type of business will have a type of, of product that works best for them. Uh, and I think certainly in our business and probably others that that do, do similar, starting to understand, you know, where you can derive the best stock turns from. So what type of products, what price range, et cetera. Uh, and, you know, to, to Andy's question, there are certainly in our business, certain types of, of vehicle that work better than others. So for example, AFV, extremely strong. I think the customer that buys an AFV is very well informed, perhaps in some instances more more informed than than the sales teams either in our business or, or in a traditional bricks and mortar retailer. So for them it's very much about right car, they know exactly what they want, they've done their research and they're just happy to buy in the most convenient channel. Other types of products perhaps that are more specialist, you know, do we experience a slower stock turn in sports type vehicles? we probably do, and I think it's just understanding that as the business evolves and ensuring we're stocking vehicles that meet our profile, our customer profile, and then obviously for for normal retailers,
0: exactly the same, it's no different. Thanks, James. Question from Peter Marshall from uh, Victoria Park Mazda. Um, Peter, good afternoon, thank you for your question. (laughs) <laughs> he commented on my point about brochures. He said manufacturers have used COVID as an excuse to get rid of brochures. It saves money. It's true, but bizarrely, Peter, actually, the Mazda dealer was the dealer that had a brochure that I have here. So, so um, good on you, Mazda. But Peter's question: How does the panel believe a dealership can keep costs and overheads down um, in a world of spiraling costs? Jason, I'm going to come to you first, and then, and then to Carolina. Um, stop leakage. I think that's the only way of
2: doing it. You know, there's still there's still area of leakage in every business. Um, I think uh, you know th- 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 there's always going to be ways of finding you know efficiencies, um, uh, process improvements. I think it's a relentless task, but I think it's it's the mission of every dealer, isn't it, to to have really a really tight process, minimise the leakage, and, and and go and look for those opportunities to make those savings. But you know, I think we. Must all make sure we keep the best people in our businesses, making the best customer experiences. You know, there's always going to be a cost of franchise in a franchise dealer world that can't be changed. Um, but I think it's a relentless pursuit of looking to close down those leakages in the in, in the business. And you know, I mean, different things to different people, but I think it's a it's a lifetime's work.
0: Caroline, a cost of advertising is a cost. Um, how, how can you minimise that and and still? be visible and sell products?
1: I think it's all about effectiveness of advertising and understanding what works, what doesn't. I'm just focusing on channels that really work and I think what comes with it is, which I alluded to before, is how retailers sell as well and how they transition where they can into doing more online which can create various operational efficiencies at so the dealership as well. So how consumers are actually served through that. So, um, but I think in terms of the uh, cost savings will look very different, um, you know, across every retailer because of different cost structures, different setup, different operational processes. So I'm not sure there is a generic answers, but I think focusing on efficient channels um, definitely feels like the right thing. And then digitizing the uh, selling um, processes as well, bringing more online.
0: Thanks, Caroline. Jason, I'm going to jump back to you, because there's a question here about finance um, approval. Um, And and James, I'll come to you in in, in a moment for a comment on it. The the question here is, will we get to near 100% online um, finance approval? And and if so, where does that leave the business manager? Is is she or he unemployed at that point? It's
2: it's an interesting point you raise there, because I think, yes, the answer is we will get to a point where the whole finance process is online. I think whether it's from a customer self-service perspective, whether it's from a TCF point of view for a regulator, whether it's through ID verification to make sure that, you know, all anti-fraud measures are in place, I think it is inevitable it will go online. Um, I think most lenders are looking at this. Some lenders have already um, got the process nailed. Um, But I think this will be the year when many more lenders move to an online process. Um, What does that mean for the business manager? That's an interesting point. Um, I think, you know... Business managers are very skilled individuals. Um, you know their, their 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 efforts and their value to the business has been, um, uh, you know, notable over the years. So um, I'm sure that uh, the role will be adapted. Um, you know, there's other products that business managers sell as well, which are still essential to our, our core business. And and ultimately, you know, there needs to be a huge job of oversight. So even in a systemized world, you need to make sure you've got oversight. So. Um, uh, I can understand why someone would be concerned, but by the same token, I don't think it is a a bad thing. It's not a bad thing for the consumer. It would be a good thing, you know, overall, but yes, a systemised approach to finance will be coming very soon.
0: Finance key, um, James, in in Cars Am. I I, I wonder what the split is, or uh, interesting whether you were able to reveal it or not, but in terms of people who are buying with finance um, or, or, or providing their own finance.
3: Yeah, so I, I think,
0: obviously, from a digitalization perspective, that business is
3: fully financed online and, and has been since day one. I, I think from a, from a split perspective, um, what I would say is we, we still have to work hard at finance penetration, much in the same way as as any other retailer. Um, and, I, and I think what you find is that a consumer buying online, and this won't be unique to, to us, is also looking at finance products as well. So, so the vehicle and the finance um, are, are two separate journeys that are perhaps being undertaken at the same time. So regardless of whether or not you have a seamless end-to-end finance journey, it's still a competitive marketplace. And I still believe that the value of um, having that conversation at certain points in the buying journey is um, is relevant. So back to the earlier point, business managers. I believe there will always be customers that will need to have the options explained to them in a compliant manner um, in order to to complete that transaction, which is is exactly what we do um, currently.
0: Thanks, James. Time's our enemy. We we've got a couple of minutes left. Um, Stuart Leatherbarrow. Hello, Stuart. Um, thank you for your question. I'm going to throw this to Jason. Um, Stuart Leatherbarrow from Auto Trader says. When can consumers expect a greater choice of affordable new EVs? I'm sure part of your answer is that they're incredibly affordable at your franchise, but you know the wider point he's making. What, what's your answer?
2: Yeah, yeah, it'll have a 2022 date on it, I think. Um, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm sat here looking out in the forecourt now to a very wide selection of EVs that our Honda business that all look extremely affordable. Um, but, but likewise, you know, you've got, you know, used product like used Tesla coming into the market now, I think. Um, uh, you know, whereas dealers maybe were nervous of taking um, EVs and afvs into their inventory, I think now it's going to grow from, you know, a couple of percent, five percent of inventory to maybe ten percent for most dealers by the end of this year. So I think that affordable EV for the person on the street, um, uh, you know, spending less than thirty thousand pounds, or you know, if it's a mid to large size car, less than forty thousand pounds, those days are here now. Um, likewise, you look at the brands, you know, new brands we've just taken on MG. It's got a fantastic EV and very affordable EV range available. So there is new product coming into the market as well as used. But the short answer to to, to the question is it's it's 2022 is when that affordability will be seen.
0: Brilliant answer. Thank you, Jason. Uh, Our time is nearly up. We traditionally um, travel around our panellists and ask for a tip to take away uh, before uh, we close? And I'm going to turn to Carolina first and ask, what's your takeaway in in quarter one um, that we can practically do as retailers from today? What should we be doing?
1: I think the best advice I can give, and I think I've mentioned that before, is just following the data to make the, uh, uh, when making decisions, the market is moving so fast and that is, you know, not going to change. There are so many dynamics playing part at the moment. So, um, you know, um, we had COVID. We have, you know, different economic factors that are playing part now. All of that will have impact on supply, demand, um, used car prices. So, whilst there is plenty of opportunities there, there will be some risks as well. So, digging into the data, understanding those trends, and being, um, you know, just being confident in the decisions that retailers are making, I think, will be critical.
0: Caroline Edward Smider, Commercial Product Director from Auto Trader. Thank you for being with us. Um, James, COO of Carzam, What's your tip to take away today?
3: Yeah, so I'd I, I really echo the previous point. I, I mean, for me, whilst we're in an extremely buoyant market with high prices, you know, as supply comes back, there will be movement in used car prices, um, especially in late plate, low mileage cars. So I think. Reviewing the data, understanding as best we can the volume of vehicles entering the market is going
0: to be critical to all of our successes over the coming 12 months. And Jason, sometimes known as Mr. Motivator, um, Jason Cranswick, CEO of Marrabeni Auto Investment. Um, What's your takeaway today? Um,
2: Well, true to type, then, I would say um, be a compassionate leader and take the team with you on the journey.
0: You've been watching the quarter one briefing from Auto Retail Network. Thank you to our panellists and thank you to Tristan and to Guy behind the controls. Uh, If you've enjoyed this and you think it might be useful to your colleagues, please feel free to share the link. A recording will be available afterwards. Thanks for joining us and thanks for taking time to talk about the used car and the new car market in the UK.